How's everybody doing tonight? I think we're going to have a good, I know we're going to have a good time in God. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for each friend that's come out tonight. Hallelujah. Minister wisdom tonight, Father. Uh, Help in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. If children's church is dismissed, if you have people that are going to children's church, I keep trying to do a series on wisdom. But so far, I only got one. Um, I only got one part uh, in, and that was in the month of May. So here we are in July. So hey, God's going to help us tonight. This, I guess, this is part two, and wisdom is a very deep subject. But tonight, we're going to talk about wisdom with people. Wisdom with people. Um, in his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, Dale Carnegie wrote this on the preface. He said, dealing with people is probably the biggest problem you face, especially if you're in business. Investigations reveal that even such technical lines as engineering, about 15% of one's financial success is due to one's technical knowledge and about 85% is due to skill in human engineering. And what that means is uh, to... To, uh, relegated to personality and the ability to lead or deal with people. Uh, and, and he goes on to say, uh, in the heyday of his activity, John D. Rockefeller said that the ability to deal with people is a purchasable commodity, as purchasable a commodity as sugar or coffee. Some of you might appreciate a little coffee right about now, but let's forge ahead. I will pay more for that ability, said John D. Rockefeller, than any other under the sun. That's the ability to deal with people. Somebody made, people make jokes about uh, business and about ministry. They say, you know, uh, church would be great or family would be great if it wasn't for the people. (laughs) Business would be great if it wasn't for the people. I have news for you. We are in the people business. God is in the people business. Uh, That went over like a lead balloon. Matthew 22, 36. Quick, let's turn over to our scripture. Uh, This is Jesus uh, relaying a, 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 a little something here. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Uh, they, they tried to catch Jesus and ask this question. And in verse 37, uh, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Then he followed it with a second one right, right up to, to that. And he said, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's really interesting. The, the, the um, individual that asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus didn't just answer on one dimension he answered on two dimensions and that dimension what he essentially was saying not only is your relationship vertically with God important but also your relationship here on the earth in other words somebody say people people People. so I've got a question for uh, by the way he said on these two commandments you know you shall love the Lord your God and then you're going to love people 
as yourself, you know. He says, on these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. So what we're saying is, without getting, Jesus is not going to let us get very deep here and try to get theological. You've got to get along with people. And in order to get along with people, you're going to need the wisdom of God. Ergo, the title of our message tonight, Wisdom with People. So I've got a couple questions just as we start this up. How well do you love people? Do you even like people? (laughs) Now look, there's all kinds of people. Nice people, mean people, nasty people, loud people, people that live with you, people that you work with, people that you worship with. It would amaze you the kind of drama that goes on in homes, the kind of drama that goes on in churches, the kind of drama that goes on at the coffee pot at work. Come on, you guys got to loosen up just a little bit with me because we're getting right where it's real. (laughs) This is right where it's real. So tonight's title is Wisdom with people. Notice what it says in Proverbs chapter 24, 3 through 4 in the Amplified Bible. Through skillful and godly wisdom, a house, in the Amplified version, a life, a home, a family is built. And by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. And then it goes on to say in verse 4, and by knowledge shall its chambers of every area be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. What that's telling me, the reason why homes are so tense and falling apart today is because there isn't wisdom being exercised. People aren't looking for it. You know, the, the, the rate of divorce among Christian people is as bad, if not worse, than unchristian people. So that means you are not immune to the, somebody say, drama. You are not immune to the drama that besets a human being on the planet Earth when it comes to dealing with, somebody say, people. Exactly what we're talking about tonight. But it goes on, as we just saw in Proverbs 24, you need skillful and you need godly wisdom in order to build a house. And when I'm talking about building a house, I'm not talking about brick and mortar. I'm not talking about siding and two by fours, electrical and the foundation and a slab. What I'm talking about are the relationships in that house. You need wisdom, dad, with that teenager. Mom, you need wisdom with that little baby. You need wisdom with husbands and wives need wisdom. We need wisdom with our parents. Those of you that are, that you're, I, I see some families represented where you have mom and you have the, the parents and the kids are sitting right here right now. You need wisdom for your parents. And I heard them say, yeah, yeah okay, well, I wanted to hear it more from the kids. All right, kids, let me hear you shout it. You need wisdom to deal with your parents. Amen. All right. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. Look at what it says in Proverbs 4, verse Uh, 5 through 8 in the New King James Version. It says, Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget or turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her being wisdom and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all you're getting or your ability to get anything. Get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. Just, I just found, we'll, we'll comment on this, but notice how they, they are actually giving a personality to the, to the concept of wisdom. 
They're, they're calling it a her. And, and you see throughout the Proverbs that wisdom stands in the streets calling out, you simple ones, listen to me. I've got something to say that's going to help your life. We were talk- But what happens in our generation is like we had in our previous message, just like that violin player that's really world famous and he stood in that plaza and was playing that violin and nobody knew who this cat was. This is the guy that demands $1,000 a minute when he plays in any hall, standing room only. But they did a little experiment. Let's throw him in this little plaza and see if anybody's going to pay attention to him. And so here's this master violinist and he's playing these incredibly difficult pieces and hardly anyone even stopped to notice. It was really, you remember that story from way back then, maybe you jog your memory. But see, that's what's going on with wisdom. Our homes are hurting. Our relationships are hurting. And wisdom is crying out and say, hey, call out to me, I'm going to help you. There's boyfriends and girlfriends that need wisdom. Somebody said, Amen. You need wisdom. You need wisdom in your finances. You need wisdom in your relationship. You need wisdom in everything. I think I got somebody. Well, I could hear a pin drop. I got somebody's attention talking about girlfriends and kids and teenagers. Okay, fine. Thank you, Jesus. I I believe you're going to get something tonight. We talked about how there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. This comes from In Touch Ministries. We have access to more information than we know what to do with. But something is still missing. Great wisdom. There are many people who boast about their knowledge, education and degrees. But they make disasters of their lives because they lack spiritual discernment and understanding. Although few scriptures advise us to acquire more information. They many admonish us to seek somebody say wisdom. If we follow biblical principles, he will give us understanding and guidance for every decision and situation we encounter. Knowledge is the facts, but understanding and wisdom is the ability to lift meaning out of the facts. Forgive me. Understand. Let's start again. Knowledge is the facts. Understanding is the ability to lift meaning out of the facts. And wisdom is knowing what to do with it. Knowing what to do next. You know, a lot of times you don't have to do something real huge. Sometimes you just need to do some little step. Just change one little thing in your routine. And that could make a world of difference. Just in, it's amazing. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to change. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying to encourage you when wisdom speaks, listen to her. Don't be ignoring what she says. Dave Ramsey talks about people, hey, get out of debt. He talks about act your wage. In other words, don't overspend. Tear up the credit cards. You know, this is just simple wisdom. Dare I say, I don't mean any offense to anyone, but in, in previous generations, plastic was king. I mean, you'd get credit. I, I remember as a kid having credit cards, my parents charging up the credit card, twenty and $30,000, and that was okay? I mean, you know, well, we're going to pay $10 on Visa and $10. Really? You got a $30,000 Visa bill and, and, and American, ex- whatever. Well, they didn't have American Express back then, not, at least not us in the neighborhood. But you know what I'm talking about. And you pay $10 a month. That doesn't add up to wisdom, does it, Frank? 
It doesn't. So along comes a gentleman by the name of James Ramsey, and he's got the wisdom of God. And he's showing really biblical principles. And he's sharing you, these are things you need to do. So it may be uncomfortable for you to have the cash system to, to limit yourself and write a budget. Yeah, you're going to have to sit down and write out, this is how much I make. This is how much I'm going to sow. This is how much I have for food. And yeah, you're going to have to put back the Twinkies back on the shelf because you didn't have enough money. And yeah, it's an embarrassing, Pastor Tom. Yeah, it's embarrassing. But I'd, be, I'd rather be embarrassed and be rich at the end of my life than to not be embarrassed and buy the Twinkies on plastic and be broke like everybody else. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm, just, I'm just saying. Are y'all with us tonight? So, wisdom is to know what to do. Know what to, in, in many cases, we don't, we don't really know what to do, when to do it, or, or how to do it, but wisdom is going to show us, praise God. So in a biblical sense, this is a little bit of repeat. Uh, it's the ability to judge correctly and to follow the best course of action based on the knowledge and understanding. It's not just knowledge, but it's know-how. God's wisdom enables him to know how to do anything. Wisdom entails the skillfulness to formulate a plan. In most instances, you don't get something just overnight. You have to have a plan. God gives you a plan and you walk out the process. If you want to buy a house, then you have to do something. If you want to have a certain job, it doesn't happen like, I want to be a nurse. Okay, great. You woke up one day, you want to be a nurse. You have to follow a course of study. You have to take steps. Does everybody understand that? So there are things that God has given us the ability to manage our time and to take resources and apply them and discipline ourselves. If you want to be a lawyer, I know people that studied and became lawyers. I know people that studied and became realtors. I know people that studied and became musicians. Uh, but see, they had to apply themselves to become that broadcaster. They needed a, somebody say a plan. And by the way, if you want to have a successful marriage, and if you want to be a good parent, and if you want to stop messing up your relationship and ending up with deadbeat boyfriends and deadbeat girlfriends, you need to get into a place where you get a plan. Get a plan. Get a life. Stop hooking up with losers. And I, I'm talking to somebody. Stop hooking up with losers and get a plan and get some self-respect for yourself that you, you know what God is doing in your life and you're going to end up with the right person. He's going to bear witness with you. Somebody said amen. I don't know. I just, that one's for free. I just felt something on that. So, wisdom, what to do concerning people, places, and things. Uh, amen. Uh, I think I think that's good. We're going to go ahead and, and move on to our text. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8 in the New King James ver Version. Now, a lot of times, last, last week we were talking about wisdom as it related to processes and things. Remember, we learned how to get red, blue, green out of the video up there because that little prayer group was praying for Pastor Tom. And I, I've been working on this for, I think, I think it's four months. And, and, and nobody knew. Nobody at Apple knew how to do it. Nobody at, 
Echo Lab knew how to do it. Nobody at Sigma knew how to do it. Nobody at Sony knew how to do it. I even went to the college and got a little bit of help, but the professors at the college, they couldn't help me, and they said, you're gonna, just going to have to upgrade to something else. Well, great. I'm all for upgrading, but I'm also be, being faithful with what I've got. And that little group prayed for me, and I woke up one day, and I had this idea red, blue, green. Oh, I could tap this signal. And that thought did not originate from me because I've been working on that for six months with no success. But that little prayer group, thank you very much, was praying for me. And they're all playing, praying red, blue, green. And the next day I woke up and I found it, everything became crystal clear. I knew exactly what to do. I'm telling you, God... Work. It works. That's why he says, pray for those that have authority over you. Pray for leaders. Pray for your boss. Pray for your mom and dad. Pray for people in authority. Or pray for the people making decisions. Pray for the doctor who's operating on you. Just a thought. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Hallelujah. All right. Moving, uh, the mechanic working on your car. Okay, moving right along. Okay, so, so where were we? It says, my brethren. Oh, yeah. I was just saying that we, last time we got together, we were talking about wisdom for how to make things work. And, 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 but tonight, specifically, I want you to focus everything through the lens of people and your relationship with people. Are you ready? Let's fly. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And when I'm talking about trials, think about this. Hassles, drama, confrontations, uh, fights, arguments, contentions. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials with people. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom regarding people things, most of the problems that you're going to have in life is people things. Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded and unstable in all his ways. The focus I see in that scripture is that a lot of trials that happen in life are people trials. I don't know about you, but the thing that really bummed me out the most or really was the most draining for me is when I had a run in with somebody and then we're not on speaking terms, a family member, a person that works here or there. I mean, and, and then somebody was hurt and the misunderstanding and he said, she said, hello, that causes the great, a great degree of stress in your life. That's people trouble. I mean, that's a, lot, that's a lot worse than your washer leaked water all over your uh, rumpus room. I mean, you could put the fan, it's a hassle, and you could peel up the rug and dry the water. But when it comes to people, that may take you weeks to sort that out. And you wake up in the morning, and you feel like you didn't sleep at all, and you weep, and you cry, and you pray, and you feel horrible. Am I talking to the right group of people? And then next, we notice in that scripture that it takes faith and patience to deal successfully with people. Uh, that means you have to speak the right thing. You have to believe the right thing. You have to pray the right thing over people. Uh, it takes wisdom to deal with people. And lastly, I get from that scripture is that where do we get wisdom from? You get, thank you. We get wisdom from God. That's where there's two kinds of wisdom, earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. I don't know that we'll be able to get it to everything. But one thing that you've got to know for sure, you should understand that you want the wisdom that comes from everybody say God. Look what it says in, well, am I going to say that one? 
Yeah, I am. James chapter 3, verse 13 through 17 does a wonderful job of making a delineation of the difference between godly wisdom and earthly wisdom. It's really easy to see, honestly, when you look at it. Look at this. Who is there among you who is wise and intelligent? I'm reading from the Amplified Version, James chapter 3, verse 13 through 17. Let him by his noble living show forth his good works with uh, the unobtrusive humility which is the proper attribute of true wisdom. But if you have, watch this, these are the attributes of earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom. If you have bitter jealousy, envy, contention, rivalry, selfish ambition in your heart, do not pride yourselves on it and thus be in defiance of and false to the truth. This superficial wisdom is not uh, as such as comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, animal, even devilish, demoniacal. Wow, that sounds pretty strong, doesn't it? For wherever there is jealousy, envy, contention, rivalry, selfish ambition, there will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. Now, the King James says, For where strife is, there, there is contention and every evil work. Now, I don't know. Uh, maybe we could take a little, little poll here and see which direction to go in. How many of you have been in a situation before where you, it was so tense you could cut it with a knife? It could be at home. I mean, uh, how many of you, I had a home life that was just horrible. My home life, in some respects, was just wonderful, but it, in other respects, it was horrible. There was, you know, was it horrible? Uh, not now. Not my, not my home. When I was growing up as a kid. No, my, I have peace in my home. Thank God I've got peace in my home. No, the way that my home is right now is completely diametrically opposed to the way I grew up. It was, that should bring hope in your life. If you grew up with hell on earth, thank God you can establish with wisdom your living situation and there should be peace in that house. It's not right and it's not godly for you to be fighting all the time, yelling, throwing furniture, uh, violence, uh, all these kind of crazy things that go. You know what I'm talking about? Slamming doors, avoiding people. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Are we are we where you live or are we where you live today? No, but listen, nobody knows what goes on in your home except you. Behind closed doors. Sometimes it would amaze you. We've known people where the wife, you, you, you see this huge man, just a really buff, huge man. And then you see this little redhead lady, and she knows what I'm talking about. This lady would beat that guy up, man, with a rolly pin or whatever. We, we had to protect, we had to protect him from her. Oh my gosh, she was a little chihuahua beating up on the big great dame. You never know what's going on behind closed doors. Wow. Boy, we're getting into it now. How about that? So the wisdom from godly wisdom versus earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom is always contentious. It always leaves. uh, This is real easy, guys. You know that ugly feeling in your gut? You got a real ugly. It feels terrible. It feels horrible. You could hardly go to sleep. You're restless and it hurts. And you're, it's like you're mad and you want to scream and you want to cry all at the same time. Am I the only person or is there anybody else? Or how about just, you're just, you're just, you're shaking. You're so, it, it's so bad. It's so tense. You're like this. Am I the only person or does anybody else understand what I'm talking about? That kind of behavior, those kind of transactions are earthly 
devilish, demoniacal. And, and when we say demoniacal, we're saying that one person said this, that, and, and, and I've really liked this saying throughout the years. It gives me real understanding. It was, it was the one that, uh, that strife is the manifest presence of the devil. And you know, I, I don't know if that's like super scripturally, now that my son is so sharp theologically, I have to be real careful about making statements, but it seems to me that that's correct. But you know what? It seems to me that peace is a manifestation of God's presence. I mean, that, that just makes sense to me. Peace is the, is, is the manifestation of God's presence. Now, this is what I see about wisdom. This is just my personal opinion. I could be wrong, but check this out. I, I am beginning to see wisdom as interactive. Interactive versus law, a law or an equation. Uh, and I'm going to read this scripture for you. As, as I read this, you, you're going to see that. that you know, have you ever played an interactive game before? Like one thing is to just watch something, you know, like watch a movie. And you can't change the movie. You're just sitting there. The movie is what the movie is, right? The script is what the script is. They recorded it. It's done. You don't change it, right? But when we talk about interactive, it's like a lot of these video games that kids play. They have characters and this and that. And then you, you step into the game and then you interact with them like, okay, you're going to go over here and you're going to do this. Okay, now I'm going to get so many points for that. And, and now I have a car and, and now we're going to drive over here. And, and now, okay, we might as well go there. Now we get a bazooka and <laughs> then we're going to blow this up. And it's, inter, say, interactive. In other words, what you're putting into it changes the game. All right. I'm beginning to see that wisdom is interactive. Check check this out what I mean. But wisdom that is from above. Check this out. Is first of all, pure and undefiled. It's peace, loving, courteous, considerate and gentle. All those qualities are relegated to a relationship. It's not some principle, it's not some formula, it's not some law, it's got a personality to it. Are you seeing that? Can, can you kind of see this? I mean, if it logistically, if I'm not absolutely accurate, can you just give me a little leeway and work with me on this? It's willing, it, the wisdom, the wisdom is willing to yield to reason. That's amazing. And it's full of compassion. Are you hearing this? And good fruits, it's wholehearted and straightforward, impartial and feigned, free from doubts, wavering and insincerity. Friends, can you see how that wisdom can be interactive? If it, if it is full of compassion, that means that it's going to have pity on a situation and it's going to change the outcome, how it feels. Did, did you notice how it said that it's, it's willing to yield to reason? That means that, that here's a set of circumstances like, oh, wow. Yeah, like you, you go and, and this bill is due, but wow, you had a tough break. You just got fired. And then, with, and then you, you just kind of have mercy on people. It says, I'll tell you what, um, I'm, I'm just going to, I'll give you another, I'll just spread out your payments or, or, or I'll pay for it for you this month. Don't worry about it. This, this is a merciful. Somebody say merciful. merciful. But notice this. So in that sense, I see that it's willing to yield to reason, full of compassion, free from doubts, wavering in sincerity. It has this personality. Wow. Now let's look at earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom, I see it now more as a mathematical equation, a law. It has no feeling. There's no deviation. There's no mercy, no negotiation, no consideration for people at all. Like, this is how this works. And, and case closed. That's never how Jesus operated. 
the lady at the, at the well, the woman caught in an act of adultery, the, 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 the people that Jesus would assist and they were in the wrong, but he would always be merciful to them. Somebody said, Amen. And he was always, listen, he was always operating in wisdom because remember what the goal is here. The goal is to always win people. I don't know if you caught that. The goal here is to win people. Save people. People, save homes. Save teenagers. Save marriages. It's never about you did this wrong. It's always about what can I do to help you pick up the pieces. Hello, somebody. Dear God, we need this. We need this desperately. That's why the law doesn't work alone. It says that the letter of the law kills, but the spirit brings life. We're not saying we're going to ignore the rules, but we're saying, hey, we're people, we're human. We need mercy. We need wisdom to navigate situations. Amen, somebody. Navigate some situations so that then you could salvage it and bring people to a better place. Believe in people so you can get to a place where you could love people. Somebody said amen. amen. So we were talking about where envying and strife is. There's confusion in every evil work and so on. But I'm going to talk to you about the how-to section. This is the how-to section about dealing with people. Maybe a little bit of wisdom for you. Are you ready? Let's talk about... Uh, uh, some some little things that you can do, and boy, there's there's just so much I like to get to. Wow. Okay. Here here's some some things that you can do so th- that should set you free. It, it, it takes godly wisdom to deal with people when things go wrong. If you're a human being and you're on planet Earth, things are going to go wrong. Well, I'm a faith man. You know, I believe that these. I says, are you? You know, you are so so unrealistic. Things are going to happen. I mean. If they happen to Jesus, they're going to happen to you. And notice one of the keys is it's possible. It is possible to disagree without becoming disagreeable. See, what happens a lot of times people are opinionated and they want to do something or think something or act in a certain way. That's just this is the only way that I'm going to be. Then another person comes along and they want to do something differently or they think differently about it. Hello. And see, uh, the, the lie, catch this, the lie is that, that if someone disagrees with you on, on, on an issue, then you have a falling out. But real wisdom states there's very few things where, that, that will cause you to really fall out. You know, like some Christians can't get along because their theology is, is different. Like they think, well, you know, is there, is, is there a post-tribulation or a mid-tribulation or a pre-tribulation? Like, really? Well, I can't fellowship with them because they're, they're like, really? Like some people argue about the Holy Spirit. You know, like, like some people have this thing. I don't know where they get this from. That You have to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and speaking with tongues or you're not going to heaven. Really? Where did they get that from? And you know what? I know, I personally know family members uh, and, and, and other people that, that that has been an offense because somebody said that to them. They're like, well, you're not saved then. Because you're, I'm like, really? What is with that? So what happens is these things become divisive and they, somebody say divide. It doesn't help people. All right. So moving right along. Listen, it's possible to disagree without being disagreeable. Catch this. Well, there's, there's a little example that I, I can go ahead and... I'm going to go ahead and... and um, uh, let's see if I could find this one. Uh, the situation where uh, 
Abraham, and I'm, I'm, I got people upstairs in high places helping me out. Uh, Abraham, I, I might just tell the story. This is page 8, but hold your finger. I'll tell you where we're going back. In page 8, uh, you'll see where in Genesis 13, 5 through 8, in the New King James Version, Lot went with Abraham. They were both really rich, and they had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to support them. Verse, that was verse 5. That they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great, they could not dwell together. And there was, somebody say, strife. There was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of, live, of Lot's livestock. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites that dwelt in the land. So Abraham said to Lot, please let there be no, somebody say strife. No strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. For we are brethren. It is not, is not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So Lot lifted up his eyes. He saw the plain of Jordan. You all know the story, how he ended up going somewhere toward uh, um, Sodom and Gomorrah. But I want to tell you something. Just because they went in their separate ways does not mean that they had a falling out. Sometimes, boy, I'm getting into something. It's entirely feasible that there are people in your life that you're going to have to love from a distance. That's okay. Can I just can I just say that's okay? That doesn't mean that you're a bad person. That doesn't mean that you hate them because look, just making a smart decision to separate yourself and give people space does not mean that you're mad and you have a, and a knot in your stomach and you're angry with them. That doesn't mean that you can separate peaceably. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, the scripture is just saying. So what, notice this. The enemy tries to hide this. He says, you, the only way that you could separate yourself from someone is if you get angry with them and you have a falling out and then, <laughs> and then there's a family feud. And that's not true. There are people that we get together with very often, there's other people just from time to time, and there's other people very rarely, and there's other people we have chosen and put a boundary down. Is not the devil. You just put a boundary down and say, this costs too much for me to get together with these people. I love them. Listen, learn something. I forgive them. I wasn't born yesterday. I know some bad things happen. But sometimes people, we just hurt each other in certain ways. We talk about it. We work it out. But then if, if the dynamic is not quite right, you just agree to go in a different direction. And you don't hold any harbor, any ill will towards them and you don't talk about them hello and in fact you pray for them is that right so anyway so they did go their separate ways and uh i just wanted to say that that was not sin that was not sin we were talking about some some quick quick things here uh i i really need to get into this and I, I need to take the next maybe 15, 10 to 15 minutes to do this. And I want you to catch this because this, this is a very, I believe, a very meaningful revelation for you to have, to give you tools to deal with people. The absence of peace, in my opinion, is like the absence of God. And it is a symptom of the root of something that I'll call hatred, for lack of a better word. Hatred. Now... 
check, check this, check this out. In First John, I, I don't have time to read it all, but we're commanded that we're supposed to love one another. And in verse nine of, uh, we're on page six, by the way. And uh, in in First John chapter two, verse five through eleven, in the New Living Translation, in verse nine, it says, "If anyone claims that I'm living in the light, but somebody say hates, hates a Christian brother or sister." That person is still living in, say, darkness. Anyone who loves another brother or uh, sister is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates his another brother or sister is still living and walking in darkness. For such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. So I just, without getting too deep about that, let me just forge ahead and let's identify hatred. Hatred. Uh, and we're talking about, I'm not even talking about enemies out in the world, you know, like in class when they're, the professor in class has really got something against the Christians. I'm just talking about what's going on in your house, what's going on in my house or what goes on, you know, at your job. Everybody with us there? What happens in your neighborhood? All right. No speaking or strained speaking, strained speaking is an indication or a symptom of hatred. I want to read this story to you in Genesis 37. Stay with me. I'm going to move a little bit faster so I can stay on target. Israel, Genesis 37, verse 4 in the Message Bible. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the child of his old age. He made uh, him an elaborately embroidered coat. And when his brothers realized that their father loved him more than them, they grew. Read this phrase with me. They grew to do what? They grew to hate him. They wouldn't even speak to him. Now, verse 4 in the Amplified Bibles. But when his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than all their brothers, they hated him and could not say peace in a friendly greeting to him or speak peaceably to him. Look at what it says in the God's Word translation, Judges 37, 4. These are keys, friends. Joseph's brothers saw their father loved him more than any of them and they hated Joseph and couldn't speak to him on friendly terms. Is that all kind of hitting home there? Look at it, what it says in the New Living Translations. They hated him and so forth and they couldn't say a kind word to them. So look, when you can't even say hello, when you, I mean, even if you put boundaries up and you can't even say hi or hello or be cordial, somebody say cordial, there's a problem brewing. And how many have ever been in that space where it was so tense you could hardly be in the same building with that person? I mean, come on, you guys, like, get real. This, things happen. I know they happen. We've been at this for, we've been in the ministry for over 30 years now and in this place anyway. So, so how to deal with hatred. Again, I say, this is what Jesus says, how to deal with that. That will, that, uh, what I'm going to say is, issues have come up, they haven't been dealt with, and somebody is harboring hatred, or harboring bitterness, or harboring any, it, we just called it hatred, but you know, bit, bitterness, jealousy, envy, whatever, and ill feeling, and I, I really dislike that, but you know who really dislikes that? God dislikes that. He doesn't like it because what it does to you and your quality of life here on the earth. And he knows that if you play into that game, if you start playing the same game, that gives the devil a foothold. Is that right? 
See, there's no, it's no sin in you getting angry. This is not about anger management tonight. There is no sin in you getting angry. We were made and wired to when things aren't right for us to get angry so that we might do something about it. But the problem is when you let the sun go down on your wrath. It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. You need to deal. Somebody say, deal with it. But see, unchristian people or foolish people... They go to sleep angry night after night after night. They leave things unresolved week, months, years at a time. That's not, can I say that's not good for you without hurting anybody's feelings? I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but that's just the truth about it. If, if, if you need to, we need, we need tools and we need to deal with this. Amen. Amen. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew 5. I'm just going to read certain phrases. Trust me, it's in there in Matthew chapter 5, message Bible. When it says, um, you're familiar with the old law, love your friend as, uh, as it is written, uh, unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. Uh, when someone gives you a hard time, respond with energies of prayer. <laughs> like that's why we say like this, this person, this lady is really increasing my prayer life. Hallelujah. For when you are working out, you're working out of your true self, that character that God put in you. Amen. That spirit man that you are out of your God created self. This is what God does. He gives his best. Amen. Let's skip down just a little bit. Let, let's skip down a little bit. So, so what you can do when you're in a situation that's, that brings confrontation, stress, conflict, all of the above, the drama. Can I just say, stay calm. Uh, a loud voice and a high voice, all that does is stir up more strife. But a soft answer turneth away. Thank you. And when you begin the conversation, discuss it. May I just suggest to you that you start with saying, now, I might be wrong about this. I mean, I'm just, I need help to understand this. There's other little one-liners that seek to understand rather than to be understood. Like instead of saying, this is what happened, man. This is this. I'm like really, really uh, going to get in, uh, tell you, you, you really need to understand that this is how I feel about this. Right. Well, what, what a real good bit of wisdom is says, why don't you try to figure out what's going on in that person's life? Like that person that, that yelled at you, you have no idea. Maybe something really horrible just happened to them. You know, and they were on their last nerve. You just happened to be in the room and they dumped on you. <laughs> so think about other people. Isn't that what Jesus did? He's up on the cross. His father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Don't let a technical problem become a personal problem. People are hurting. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people say dumb, hard and harsh things. Hello. That's just the way it is. So, one of the things you can do is believe the best, ask for clarification. You know, in, book of, in the book of Corinthians, we know about that in the love chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. Pray for, pray for people that trouble you. If there's been a misunderstanding, here's a novel idea. Pray for understanding. You know, a lot of things that happen that wedge people apart is because there was a miss. Understanding. I thought you said this and they got it hurt their feeling. Well, how about you pray and ask God for understanding? And you know what? The wisdom of God will come on you and you'll be able to with a gentle voice. See, the wisdom of God is, first of all, contentious. And I'm going to tell you like it is. No, no, it says it's, first of all, peaceable. 
Is that right? So you get together with these people or this individual and you start with a very soft and tender and peaceable voice. I could be wrong. And you start to talk about this. Tell me, tell me what you see. What, what, I, I, and you start, I, I apologize if I have done anything wrong. There's a novel idea. Everybody makes mistakes, including you and including me. And you know, it just has a way of taking the, the, the wind out of the sails. Amen? Isn't that something? A lot of us have not had training in personal relationships. We get training in, in adding and subtracting, hi- history, biology. But when it comes to real personal relationships, like how to deal with, with conflict and how to do conflict resolution, a lot of us don't have a clue. But thank God he, God's helping us. Somebody said amen. We already talked about disagree agreeably. If you have a disagreement, talk about it respectfully. There's a novel thought. Be respectful. You know what? Don't feel so entitled just because you're a dad or you're the father or the mom. Don't feel so entitled that you could run right over your kids and don't. No, no, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you have to say. This is how it is because I'm the dad. Really, people? Is that really the way God would operate? That's not the. That's not wisdom. The the why. I'm just telling you. The I've I've seen this. I've also walked in it, and I've seen how God operates. If you show respect to everyone, including little kids, I don't care if they're six years old and you're forty, or if you're the dad and they're doing something. You don't. One of the greatest problems today is an extraordinary amount of disrespect. One to the other. People speaking to each other with harsh tones and feeling entitled when they talk to someone. I mean, it happens. It happens all the time. You you, you see a person, a parent talking down to a kid. Say, no, 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 no. You listen. I'm the dad. You listen. I pay the bills around here. Listen to what I have to say. Can I just suggest to you, moms and dads, that's not the best way to handle it? Show, sow seeds of respect. Let there be a connection with your kids that you love them. Amen. Uh, how about husbands and wives? Let there be... Uh, how about this for, for a quick key? Do more listening and less speaking. Pastor's been doing a marvelous job speaking on love matters. And one of these things on, on a Wednesday night... I'm doing okay on time. One of the things uh, when, when he was ministering, he was talking about, about watching the words that we speak and how we speak. to it. It's been a marvelous, absolutely marvelous series. I, I just, I think, if, I, don't think, I don't think people understand how important what he's been preaching about is. Well, what he's been preaching about is what's going to help you have a marriage for 60 years instead of to go for four years and end up in the divorce court. That's how important it is. It's going to help you to keep the job. And when they're firing everybody else, they're not going to fire you because you have that cheerful quality about you and you operate in wisdom. Am I talking to somebody tonight or what? Remember what Carnegie said. He said, I would pay more for somebody that's good with people than I would for anything. That's the highest price commodity, in my opinion. Not their skill level. All these smart Alex that come out and they know everything. Well, how long are they going to last in the company? Not long. Well, let me move right along. So you can disagree agreeably. If you have a disagreement, talk about it respectfully. Try to come to a place of agreement. And if that place of ag- and sometimes the place of agreement is to disagree agreeably. 
Like if you want to argue that uh, Wheaties is better than cornflakes, really? I mean, in, can I confess, 30 years, 34 years ago, 35 years ago, we actually had conversations at the breakfast table about why do you like Wheaties? Like, that's not really, I like grape nuts better. And like, really, we have little debates about that. You know, young married couples, sometimes, God bless us, we need all the, pray for young couples, everybody. You know what I'm saying? And basically, um, we, 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 if she likes uh, grape nuts and I like Wheaties, let people be. If that's what they like, let them be. Agree to, agree to be, agree, you know, and, and if you can only afford one box, well, let's buy grape nuts here. You go first, buy what grape nuts one time. Next time we shop, we'll, we'll all eat Wheaties next time. Then we'll go and eat grape nuts. I mean, I like Chinese. You know what I'm saying? The dumbest things that people fight over, it's really ridiculous. You know, really, anything that would give a foothold... To the devil. That's it. That's all he needs. All he needs is a foothold for you to take on bitterness. And it could be the dumbest thing or it could be something more significant. But whatever it is, we're on guard and we're forewarned. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm really I'm really moved by the story in Genesis 26 about Isaac. And I'll just tell you this for the sake of time. In Genesis 26, it tells the story how Isaac was going in with his shepherds and they dug a well in, it, it starts going in, in, in verse 19. His shepherds dug a well in, in the Girard Valley and, and it was, there was a spring. And, and then in verse 20, local, local shepherds came out and they claim and say, this is our well. And they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So he named the well the well of argument. <laughs> so what did he do? Did he stay there and fight? I'm a faith man. I got an army. I got a sword. I'm the best sword. No, he left it. He says, all right, let's leave that. That it's not worth it. Somebody turn to somebody and say, it's not worth it. You need to pick your battles. Pick your battles. There's a good word for some of you. Pick your battles. <laughs> so he left that well and they went to another place. So in verse 21, they dug another well. And, and again, there was a fight over it. So people arguing like, this is our well. He, this is, we were here first and all that nonsense. So then, what did he do? He went again. He called, he, he called it the well of anger. Think about it. The well of anger. And then in verse 22, abandoning that one, he dug again and local residents and finally left him alone. So he called it the well of room enough for us at last. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's, a real, there's, there's a really smart lesson in this. A lot of times we get ruffled because we think people are trying to take something from us so we start to strive with them and we start grabbing onto things but here's a little bit of wisdom for you there will always be a supply of what you need god will always open up another well if somebody talked bad about you at the job and, and told lies about you and you got a bad review and they ended up laying you off and you know it's not true and you were taking the fall for something you didn't do, am I talking to somebody? You could be tempted to be very angry and very bitter what they did to me, what they did to me. But why don't you be more like Isaac and say, well, that was the well of lies. I'm going to another place. <laughs> You go to another job. You try to put your foot in the water on that one. And not bad so far. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And then all of a sudden, something develops. 
and jealousy and people grabbing on and stuff like, well, that's the well of territorialism. So you just you just find a place. Somebody say peace. peace. Find a place of peace. God will help you. Amen. He'll help you. Uh, so uh, so in, in, in a sense, in order for me to uh, wrap this up tonight, I am going to kind of uh, uh, bridge some of my findings. And they are when you're dealing with strife uh, and with people in difficult situations, uh, operate in the spirit of love. You need to pray, believe the best of and for people. You need to pray for your enemies. And you, you really have to earnestly pray for them like if you're praying for yourself. You need to pray that God would bless them and help them and deliver them and bind the devil the same way that you intercede for yourself. Just a thought. Just, just, just put, them, put them in that place of prayer and love. Amen. Uh, show respect to people. Never lose your cool. Do, a, do good to those who are doing bad to you. In other words, somebody's really gossiping about you. You know, buy them their Starbucks. Pay lunch for them. <laughs> do things that just, it's like, what? It's amazing. It's so disarming. You just keep being nice. And the, somebody might say that you're either stupid or, or what? Or that, you know, take advantage of you. But you know, you can't take advantage of a Christian. God sees and God rewards do good to those that hate you, despitefully use you. Watch this. Make it hard for you, that treat you badly, trouble you, harass you, mistreat you, insult you, hurt you, torment you. Those all came from different uh, versions of the Bible that I had. But you know what? God has always, God will always make way. Learn from Isaac. He'll always find a place for you that there will be more than enough. And you always go for peace. Don't give up. Till you find it. First Peter 3 verse 10 through 11 says this in the Amplified. Let him who wants to enjoy life and see good days, good whether apparent or not, keep his tongue from evil and his lips from guile, treachery and deceit. Let him turn away from wickedness and shun it. Let him do right. Let him search for peace. Harmony, undisturbedness from fears, agitating passions and moral conflicts, and seek it eagerly. Do not merely desire peaceful relations, watch this, on three dimensions, with God, your fellow men, and with yourself, but pursue and go after it. Hallelujah. So, you need a strategy, you need to, be, you need to pray strategically, do strategically good deeds, and be unrelenting in your love, walk and that will dismantle and dissipate hatred. Operating in these three has helped us bring peace back into family situations with extended family, kept peace in our home, grow up two boys. Uh, it's, it's helped us keep, keep our marriage together. Honestly, it's the wisdom of God. Amen? Listen more, talk less. Seek to understand rather than be understood. Think about what other people are going through instead of yourself all the time. Avoid the wrong exercise. You know, jumping to conclusions and running down your neighbors. <laughs> Try noticing what people do right more than noticing what they do wrong. And, you know, expect people mistakes and be quick to forgive and move on. Practice asking for what you need and what you want. Oh, man, that was a good one. And I'm going to close on that one. Uh, he said, you know, 
many times, from where, where does strife come from? And it, there's an answer to that in the book of James. You desire and have not because you ask not. And I'm just going to tell you something. One of, the, one of the reasons, and we'll stop right here. One of the reasons why people have bad feeling in their life is because there's a need that's not being met. But you know what? Oftentimes we don't even say, we don't even tell people what the need is. Like, I want a chocolate cake for my birthday. And year after year, you don't get a chocolate cake and you're all bitter about it. Really? Why don't you grow up, take responsibility and say to the people that you love, they're going to have your birthday party. You know, I really like chocolate cake, right? You have not because you... I'm just saying. And I mean, I realize in that scripture, it talks about asking from God. But a lot of times we disappoint each other. We live in the realm of disappointment because we're not even saying what it is that we want. And, you know, it's really try it sometime, like write down what's important to you and, and, and respectfully tell the people that are important in your life what it is that you really need and what you really want. You'll find it's very difficult sometimes to write that little list down. And often you'll find that you haven't even said it. And a lot of the reasons why we're not getting what we want is because we're not asking. It's our own fault. Is that right or what? On the other hand, if you, you, you share with people what's important to you and what you want, the people that love you, do you don't you know that they're going to respond in kind and take care of you? And then, of course, we pray to God and ask Him for what we want. And if you're asking with a right heart to be a blessing, God's going to provide it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your wisdom.